Brian. Scott. <laughs> you look upset. I am I'm not happy. I, I just I'm not happy. I'm happy to be on the line with you. I'm happy that we are here on Brooklyn Free Radio once again recording yet another episode of the Giants Among Men podcast. Welcome to you and welcome to the fans and the Giants just go away. <laughs> Yeah, you're ready for them to disappear already? Five weeks in? I mean, are we sure they haven't disappeared already? Right. <laughs> Is it me? Or... <laughs> yeah, no, they're not, they don't look great. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> uh, things are not great um, in Giants land as we, start, as we start the show today. Yeah. Um, no, we're sitting at 0-5, last placed in... I mean, easily the worst division in football. Right. I mean, maybe maybe the worst division in the history of professional football. Yeah, it could be. It's definitely remarkably bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're the worst team. We're by right. far the worst. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right, we, we're head and shoulders the worst. Yeah. So that's not good. That's not great. It's not ideal. No. Um, no, it's but, not. No. <laughs> I don't know. Where do we start? Where do we start with the Giants today? Let's uh, let's start with the defense. Uh or or I, I don't know, like I guess like the big question of the week, I suppose, is was was this progress? Despite the fact that it was a loss, despite the fact that it was a gut punch, despite the fact that, you know, the game really was decided on the very last play, uh, was this progress for, for our New York Giants? No. It wasn't, <laughs> and it's funny because I think I, I think as we go along here, I'm going to end up being the more positive person than, yes. than you are. Yes, but I'm also saying my answer to that question is no. Also, like I wasn't particularly impressed with anything that I saw from the Giants. You know, like um, even though it was a close game, um, and they ultimately lost, you know, on a last minute field goal, last, last play of the game, um, you know. Uh, the defense kind of started off pretty good, but then faltered and again, you know, couldn't make the plays that they needed to make, which is kind of the sign of whether you're like actually a good defense or not. Um, you know, anytime Andy Dalton leads the team right down the field for the game winning points, that's never, never a good, a uh, good sign. But like, so I didn't, I didn't leave it. I wasn't, pleased you know i mean it was a little bit of it was at least an entertaining ball game you know i mean at one point i did receive a text from my father that was like how fun is this so i was like oh <laughs> you know johnny d's having a good time so that's something you know he's enjoying his afternoon and um did make me feel like maybe i should be feeling a little more positive or putting but when the game was decided like I, 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 you know, they they stunk. It wasn't, they, you know, both teams were not that impressive. And even we scored a little bit, but not really. We didn't look good on offense by any means. You know what no. I mean? Yeah. No. So, you know, no, I would, I would say no. <laughs> I agree. And I, let's start with the defense because at one point we both, we texted one another uh, about, you know, at the end of the game, like, I was so pumped about the defense at the beginning of that game. 
Like, I really thought at the very beginning, I thought this was progress. I thought the defense was awesome right at, right at the jump. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like, it didn't seem like early on in the first quarter, Zeke wasn't going anywhere. We were really stopping the run. Um, I thought that uh, Darnay Holmes played was playing well, at least at the beginning of the game. He had that big pass breakup in the end zone on the opening drive that forced the Cowboys to kick a field goal to start off the game, which, again, like, the way their offense has been playing and the way they could score, getting a field goal on that first drive really felt like a big deal, especially with a rookie breaking up a pass in the end zone. Uh, and, you know, he's a he's a good blitzer. Like, he blew up Zeke on one of those blitzes. Like, you know, he's a weapon there. But, you know, I, I just think, like, the defense is capable of playing well for stretches, which I actually think is a testament to everybody involved. And it helps me keep confidence in Patrick Graham. Um, but I still think that ultimately we just don't have very many good players on defense. So no matter how good the plan is or how well we're executing, teams are just going to find us like they're, you know, we don't have good players. They're going to find how to attack us at some point in the game. Yeah. I feel like I I would totally agree with you. I was like, I like Patrick Graham and it seems like he knows what he's doing. And then it makes me feel like judge has a good, he at least has a, uh, um, an idea of what he wants to do on defense that meshes with the two of them meshes well together. And then I was starting to think like, oh, and maybe we actually have some like ascending defensive players to go with that. And then you're like, oh, now we actually have a defensive coach I like and some defensive players who are kind of on the rise. Maybe we are on the path of becoming a good defense. And now I feel like, no, I still like like the direction <laughs> they're going. And I think that, yeah, I think they've got some smart minds working on their defense but they don't i don't now like they're missing players you know and still a lot of them and a lot of the guy you know i mean and now you look lorenzo carter's out for the year um who already was you know just a totally okay player in fact you know when he got hurt it was like oh right lorenzo (laughs) (laughs) but i hate to say he suffered a really terrible injury i think it was an achilles tear yeah no that's Uh, bad yeah and you know all the guys that we've been kind of you know Leonard Williams again I mean did he play I have no idea (laughs) Um, his pressure rate was probably phenomenal like his his pass rush tied shoelaces percentage was right on point it's just what you want it to be yeah yeah so you know ultimately you're left with no we're still a long way from being a good defense well although what do you make of like there's still like look I thought Roma was weirdly effusive about the Giants and the direction we're headed in and he seemed to like everything we're doing and he was kind of even the defense he's like this is going to be a harder you know Cowboys fan this is gonna be a tougher game than you're expecting you know and I just feel like you keep hearing this and I'm like what is this based on like why why does everybody feel that we're like the Giants don't sleep on the Giants it's like no like take a long slumber (laughs) hibernate on us rest comfortably the Giants you have nothing to fear with the Giants, you know, like both eyes closed, shut, and just, uh, you know, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, I guess because, I mean, it's 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 been weird too, right? We played Pittsburgh pretty tough. Like, Pittsburgh's a good team. I don't know how good they are, but they're good. We played yeah. them. We played them tough. The rant. Like, not- that tough like we lost by 10 points we were like in the game we had the one good drive where it looked like we might take the lead and then we didn't and they finished us off you know like it wasn't like a uh 
toe-to-toe battle you know what i mean it was their first game they looked a little sloppy and we were okay I, you know i don't know i don't know i think yes and no like we were we were it was a one score game at the beginning of the fourth quarter it was 16 10 at the start of the fourth quarter you're absolutely right about the final score and how the game ended and you're right we were never actually a threat to win that game right so but, that's what i mean yeah. Right, but they're a really good team, and we're a really bad team. So that we were in yeah, it yeah. for that long, you know, is something. And right. same thing with the Rams. Like, we played the Rams really tough. They're a legit team. They're a good team. Yeah, I mean, the Rams game is the only game I felt okay about all year. Like, where I, I thought they showed me something. I thought, yeah. okay, that was something. And, like, the Bears are a weird team, too, because they're 4-1, and one, but they stink, but they're still, right. like, 4-1. and one. And, you know, again, came down to the last possession with them. The, the thing that I can't wrap my head around, though, is that 49er game. Like, especially now, too, the Dolphins just smacked them around on Sunday. Yeah. Like, they have been yeah. crushed since they've played us. And it's yeah. sort of like, <laughs> what right. happened there? Like, What uh, happened? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Wait, we didn't look good at all. No, I mean, they kicked our ass. Like, they really <laughs> kicked our ass. Right. But, I don't know. We've played some good teams. Like, we've made some good teams break a sweat, I guess. And, yeah. you know, we'll we've get... We've had a tough schedule. to the Giants. It's a very yeah. tough five-game stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I also think, yeah, Romo, he was carrying on about us. And, look, again, we still did good things. We did some good things defensively. Bradbury, he, he's been a good signing. He held Amari yeah. Cooper to two catches, 23 yards. And even, I would say, one of the best takeaways I thought, like, that guy Ryan Lewis is a corner we basically picked up off the street. We picked him up off the Eagles practice squad. Uh, he wasn't even in training camp with us. And he was basically on Michael Gallup all day. And now Michael Gallup had the two biggest catches of the game. But Michael Gallup had 73 yards on the day. And 57 of those yards came on the final two offensive plays of the game. So, yeah. I mean, no, you, that's, yeah. you don't want to give up those 57 yards. but And they were amazing plays. I mean, the two oh, catches those were unbelievable. Catches it's were not unreal. like you're like, hey, what the hell's the matter with like what's the defense doing? Yeah. I mean, I, to me, it's like it's similar to kind of how I feel about uh, and this can be a little transition, but like to, it's about Joe Judge, where everybody seems still optimistic about Joe Judge, and I put myself sort of in that camp now, even though like the results have been terrible. He's zero and five. Like they had nothing that he's really tried to do has worked well or has been instilled. But like you just get a sense that he knows what he's doing. Um, but I don't really know why I, I feel that way. Like there's no result that's actually pointed you you know what i mean like yeah what what are we basing that on other than like he seems like sort of crisp in his press conferences or um on the sidelines you know i mean basing it on absolutely nothing absolutely like yes. nothing certainly nothing <laughs> visible to the naked eye I, you know i mean i will say i i do have confidence that he's a good teacher yeah and I think that that's something, and honestly, that is something that I do feel like I can uh, tap into a little bit from my past high school football coaching experience. Like, over the years, I have watched a lot of clinic tapes, a lot of coaches, you know, from all levels, high school, college, pro, uh, speaking and presenting at, at these coaching clinics and breaking things down. And I do think you kind of end up getting 
uh, a sense of how good of a teacher some of these guys are. Like you see some of these guys and, and I, uh, you know, and I don't get it because Mike Solari, who is the Giants offensive line coach, I think under McAdoo, it was a while ago. It was during the Eric Flowers era of the Giants. Um, but like I, I got some clinic tape of Mike Solari teaching and it was unfollowable. Like as a teacher myself, he just jumped from topic to topic and, you know, interjected with weird stories that had nothing to do with anything and then picked up mid-sentence on his last teach. And he, I totally got it. I was like, this is why Eric Flowers stinks. Like, right, I, right. I can't follow anything this guy is saying. <laughs> and he's supposed to be a good offensive. I don't get that at all. And then I've watched other coaches, uh, like the offensive line coach for the Rams, this guy Cromer, I think his name. He's fantastic. Dante Scarnecchia, who's now retired with the Pats, he's excellent. But I've never seen Joe Judge in a clinic, but I have seen some of these guys from the Patriots speaking clinics before, and they're always like very good, concise teachers. And from what we see, like I don't think it's sloppy technique, at least defensively, that gets us. I think sometimes we're outclassed, we're outmatched on defense. I think that's a problem, but I don't think we're poorly taught. And I think that is like a Joe Judge trickle-down effect. I think that's what's promising about him. But how we're getting this off of watching the games, like, I don't really know. It hasn't actually resulted in anything. And uh, I don't know. I mean, and again, I don't want to, like, it's like he's inherited an awful team and he's five games into his tenure. I'm not like, yeah, throw out the bum. But it is just, he's inspired seemingly a lot of, like, goodwill that, you know, there's nothing to actually base it on. Um, No. And I mean, the one thing he's kind of brought, you know, we tried the little fake field goal um a fake and it yeah. you know didn't totally work or it did work brilliantly but then we were not set or something which i thought was a terrible call but um uh, apparently was sort of the right call i don't know no it, it it actually it's like it's kind of low-hanging fruit actually i mean I, again like so i've i've coached high school before this is now the second time i'm mentioning this episode but the the school <laughs> the school i coached for we did a lot of shifts. That was like a big part of our offense. And we, the refs, if our guys weren't set for a full second after the shift, we would get a penalty flag. And every, every game, I was, some, someone from the staff would tell the refs, we do a shift, and they would say, we know, but make sure your guys are set because we're going to flag you. That's such an easy flag to throw. And, and I can tell you that, that that's not on Cam Fleming. And I feel like he's the one who got roasted on TV, but that's really on Riley Dixon. You have to know... You're the you're the one back there. You have to look at the guys. Are they set? I can't call the I can't call for the snap until everybody's set. And that's just like that's that's a knock on judge because that's a detail that again, easy low hanging fruit for the refs. You ha- like we tell high school kids that you have to tell the guys don't snap the ball till everybody's set. That was that was brutal. Well, it's just funny because that was so, and that's what you could tell that, you know, I haven't seen him that animated by anything yeah. that happened. And that was <laughs> like the thing that just drove him insane was you could probably tell, like, you got to be set, you know, like, I, that's all we talk about. Like, I'm sure that would just drove him insane because that's where his focus is. Of course. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's interesting with Judge, too. I mean, he he's taking, and, and again, it's like the big problem with the Giants is just this misalignment of everybody in the franchise, you know, where. Judge is taking this real, like, developmental approach. I mean, I don't know if you heard him after the game. He's like, you know, all he's evaluating is, like, are we improving? Is guys getting better? He's he's playing guys in the middle of games, trying to get them reps. Like, 
he's clearly he's in year one of this project of fixing the Giants. But for us and like for fans, and then you've got like Dave Gettleman. This is his third year. Like we've been the worst. Te- we've been a terrible team since 2014. Right. Everybody's like, come on, let's go, you know. And he's sort of like got all the time in the world, and it's just frustrating to sort of be in this um, position with this team. You know, I, I don't know what to really look for. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, I totally agree with you, and yet. I guess you could say, like, I'm happy that Joe Judge has the discipline to have this approach. Because it probably right. would be easy to get caught up in being 0-5, being a laughing stock. and and your first win. Right. And, 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 and just pushing and pushing and pressing and, and, you know, kind of overlooking development. I'm glad he has the discipline to do it. And I guess that's why I don't ultimately blame him. I mean, there's blame to go around, and I'm going to get angrier and angrier as <laughs> as this podcast goes. But so far, talking about the defense and judge, it's hard to be like too angry at those at those guys right now. Wasn't thrilled with him not wearing a hat because I wasn't <laughs> thrilled with his haircut. Did you see that? Did you notice yeah, it? I did. Yeah, not until you mentioned it to me. But you're right. What's with Giants coaches and bad haircuts? But like, <laughs> right. Ben McAdoo, who famously torpedoed his entire ten- tenure with a some version of a duck's ass slicked back, <laughs> most absurd transformation. Like, you know, I think it was like somebody coming back from summer break and just like, what the hell happened to you? Like, what? No, all wrong, all wrong. But Judge, it was. It seems like it's some kind of like buzz cut that's just ill considered. It's just like it was like tilted or something. Like I get, right. At least the two guys have totally different haircut problems, right? With with right. McAdoo, it was clearly a choice, and every time the wrong choice. Right. Two totally wrong choices. Yeah. Was, McAdoo's was so bizarre because his. Of course, we we were introduced to Ben McAdoo with this ill-fitting suit that was way too big. And so you kind of were like, oh, he's just like a coach. He doesn't care about his look, like whatever, you know. Like, And then he <laughs> he has a good first year, and year two he shows up with a very intentional look. Like yeah. this one didn't happen by act. He wasn't like, oh, I just, you know, my hair, I combed it weird. It's like, no, he decided this is my new look, which is just, it was so baffling. <laughs> right. and, out of character, you know, it was just so weird. Right, right. And what a shock that that, that year was a disaster. Right. <laughs> no, I, was, I had a terrible feeling as soon as I saw him for the first time. I was like, oh, no, something terrible has happened. Right. And it looked, I think, ultimately, Judge's hair was an indicator of the game. It was just like a mess. It was just like wild right. and, and just like, what? It's right. just Right, what are you thinking? It really, it looked like his mom cut his hair. Like he's a little kid and his mom cut his hair and she just didn't totally know what she was doing. And by the way, that got me thinking too, just as like a little bit of a side note here. You know, I'm a teacher, I teach high school kids and I'm on Zoom with some of them, you know, throughout the course of the day. How lucky are today's kids that while they're quarantined, you know, not necessarily lucky to be quarantined, but that while they're quarantined, they're doing so in the age of YouTube. So that if you're relying on your mom for a haircut, she at least has a resource that she could look right. You know, she it's not just... Acquire some skills. It's not just the uh, hack jobs that we were... <laughs> right. Got. My mom cut my hair until I was like 30. <laughs> and, and I don't mean all the time, but like, like there would be times I'd go visit my mother where she'd be like, 
just let me give you a quick trim. And I'm like, <laughs> I'd be like, no, I'm a grown man. Like this, what you're seeing is a conscious choice. You know, like this is not, I'm allowed. And she would get to, to act like it was totally unreal. Uh, Brian, <laughs> just let me give you a hand. You know, I'm like, no, I'm a grown man. I made a decision about what my hair is going to look like. And no, it was just, God, it drove me insane. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. It's the best. I was being unreasonable, you know, just so right. unreasonable that I was not, you know, no. I know. It's like you, I've never gone into anyone's home, let alone my own, and been offered a haircut. Right. It's, a weird, it's a weird thing. Just, get out of here. No. <laughs> While we're on the topic of coaching fashion, uh, Mike Nolan, we talked about last week, big tie guy, wasn't in a tie, but I did notice, and I hope the NFL speaks to him, uh, because this is a topic that is very important to me. Mike Nolan was penis masking on the <laughs> sideline. And for, see that. for our listeners who don't know what penis masking is, it's, there's like a, I don't even know, it's not like a meme, but like a political cartoon somebody sent my wife about when you wear a mask and it doesn't cover your nose, it's like wearing pants and allowing your netherds to just hang out <laughs> of the pants. And I, I, it's true. It drives me crazy. I, I prefer non-mask people to penis maskers. I because, agree. It's like you're doing it. Just do it. Just do it right. Right. Just pull it up. Like, what are you yeah. just... It's on your face. Just cover the face. That's what it's supposed to do. Right. And it's just as absurd. Why would I wear pants if they weren't covering my Charlie Browns? Like, that's <laughs> just the whole point of pants. You know, same thing with the mask. Right. Otherwise, we just be walking around Winnie the Poohing it everywhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you were coaching, would you go mask or shield? I, I don't know. I think masks just because I, I, I've heard these, those protective shields are maybe iffy on whether they actually do what you want them to do. I don't oh, know. Oh, I didn't that. know that. I thought the protective shields were better. Are they? I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think I'd still go masks just because those protective shields, it's too much for me. But Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Actually, my, uh, I'm teaching remotely, but had I gone back, my wife was going to buy me a, a, a shield. And make me wear it, right? So, all right. Um, I guess yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe you're right. I guess they they would make sense that they're more more protective. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I might just wear like a football helmet with a <laughs> ski mask on <laughs> underneath, so that you're there for athletics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, like maybe if the, if I'm called upon, I'm ready. Yeah. That might actually be a, a good opportunity to plug our social media. I've changed my Twitter handle because, as Brian said, my old one was basically my bank password. Uh, so <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Skishi, S-K-I-S-H-I-I. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Bdemena. And you could follow us on Instagram at Giants AM Podcast on Instagram. And while we're taking a break, uh, I'm just going to give a, give a quick plug to the radio station you're listening to because you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, an independent listener-supported radio. Uh, and this is the Giants Among Men podcast slash show. Uh, all right, Brian, let's get to the topics that are really going to start firing us up. Uh, more me than you. Uh, let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Andrew Thomas, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. I know. 
I didn't even conceive of him not being good, so I like can't really wrap my head around it. Um, I don't know. You know, they, it, and what's really upsetting to me is like the argument. The thing I'm about to t- say out loud that's like the reason not to worry is like what I once said four or five years ago about Eric Flowers and that you know he wasn't supposed to get thrown right in at left tackle. They ended up, you know, Solder opted out of the season, so he had to plug him right in. And that's a lot to take on. And then, you know, he stunk right away. I do think he's a different personality. I don't think he's an Eric Flowers. Like, I think this guy wants to be great. Seems like he'll work really hard. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, has he been good? No. No, he's not. No. And we, you know, we referenced on this on this show before that he was supposed to be a cheeseburger. Like, right. just a no, you know, you can't miss order. Just... I don't know yeah. how anything else on the menu looks, but I know if I order a cheeseburger, like nine and a half times out of ten, I'm walking out of this restaurant satisfied. And he might be the rare overcooked cheeseburger. <laughs> right. Right. And there's nothing right. worse than an overcooked cheeseburger. I would have rather ordered like the tuna eyeballs right. than <laughs> an overcooked cheese. At least if I order the tuna eyeballs, I'm impressing other people at the table. You know, oh, look at, you know, Scott's adventure. Right. You know? <laughs> No, you order it and it's overcooked. You're like, well, I accomplished nothing with this meal. And it's not good for me and it tastes terrible and now I'm unhappy. So on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about him? I wouldn't even say – I wouldn't say that worried. Okay. Um, uh, You know, I don't know how worried to be. You know, like I um, can't evaluate it that well. Um, But – uh, you know, it's only five games. He he started off with a really hard slate of um, guys to go against, and you know, I'm gonna give him a shot. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Right, I agree. He was just spectacularly bad on Sunday. You yeah. know, like if if he was just the same level of bad that he was in all the preceding games, I don't know that we would even necessarily be talking about him all that much. But he was bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, glaringly bad. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Colombo today, I saw, I read that he'd said that, like, he's overshooting his landmarks. And, I don't know, ho- like, that sounds like something relatively easy to fix. Like, he's not just getting, like, bulldozed and it's just, like, he stinks. But Yeah. But also, you know, Mark Colombo, you're on notice, too, because you're a Jason Garrett guy. All right? <laughs> like if I and you know it goes without saying if I saw you in person I would never see this you're an enormous human being and I'm quite small but like you are on notice because I don't know that guy is he a good coach he always had a ton of talent in Dallas so was right. I, was he a good coach or did he just always have good players I mean that's kind of the thing you know that's the question with every coach though right yeah um I don't know. You, you know, you know. It's like the guys who used to be uh, every guy who ever was Tiger Woods' coach became like a famous coach. And <laughs> yes. Like, what? You know, what do they say to him? All, all right. right, go out there and you know just be unbelievable, make all the shots. And you know, <laughs> yeah, like what does what did Frank Vogel really say to LeBron before any <laughs> keep the All right, LeBron, just go out there and do it. Go Get win. It. Yeah. <laughs> be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. But, I mean, with offensive line, I mean, actually, you know, in football, generally, I think coaches have more impact than other sports. And offensive line has tended to be one. Like, you know, I think, like you mentioned, uh, Dante Skarnecchia earlier, who's, like, always had great offensive lines, even shifting guys in and out. So, 
you know, I mean, right. We have a lot of invested in this guy. He's really got to be good. He's got to be good. So that's why I'm not panicking because I'm not, I'm not conceiving of any world where he doesn't become a good player because it's too horrible to think about him. <laughs> <laughs> he's the fourth pick of the draft. He has to be good, and therefore he will, he will be, be good. good. Yeah. Speaking of people who have to be good, yeah, uh, Brian, yeah, yeah. is Daniel Jones good? <laughs> is he? Is he? Is he good? Um, um, you might not be. <laughs> There's a potential that he's not good. Um, here's the problem. A very difficult thing with Daniel Jones is one I want desperately to believe in Daniel Jones. Um, he's now had this week was the third game this year where he's had a chance to either win the game or tie it in the final drive. And to me, that's like, that's the thing with like quarterbacks, you know, like that's the thing you got to be able to do is in the, when the game's on the line, drive the team down and score. Um, and you know, it's the thing that really separates the like mediocre from the good and the good from the great. Like, it's just that's the thing. And, and it gets worse as you get deeper in the playoffs. It's like you just there's guys you just know at the end of the game, like this guy can't bring his team down the field. Yeah. Um, and he has he's over three. Um, and each one, you know, like two of them really close. He was right there and made some nice plays on those possessions. And like he seems to have a little something. He do, I don't think he's afraid of those moments. Um, but he's playing bad. I mean, I can't tell you he's playing well. He's not playing well, but he I still again. like him. Like, I, I, he did fumble again. He also got drilled in the back. Like, yeah. Maybe he should have seen that, and he should have had some feel. He should have had a better sense that that was coming. Um, that was a just dead shot right in the back. No, um, well, I mean, I would almost say maybe he shouldn't have fumbled 5,000 times prior to that fumble and then i would have understood that fumble but because he's constantly fumbling it just any fumble is just stop fumbling yeah i don't know don't you think you don't think he's talented you not watch him and think he's a talented athlete no i I do i i do think he is talented i think he is a good player and you know we we talked I think last week about how you know look jared goff's rookie year was pretty much a disaster um and josh allen same thing like there was plenty of reason for uh you know really valid suspicion of him and both those guys are fine you know they're not in the like mahomes stratosphere or or whatever but they're you know they're good quarterbacks that can get you to a super bowl i mean i don't know about josh allen yet but Goff got his team to the super bowl and so i think that daniel jones is talented enough to to kind of to to give a look at, you know, I am worried like you're saying about those three game-winning opportunities that that came and went. And I do think like look, whether or not it makes sense, you you do kind of compare Daniel Jones to Eli uh in your mind a little bit. And and you and and I just think that when you're not pulling those kinds of plays off, like he is an Einstein's bagel. Or like a pizza that you get in Ohio, where it's like, <laughs> you know, where it's like, yeah, this is a pizza. I could tell it's a pizza. It's not. <laughs> it's not terrible. I'm gonna eat it. 
But like you can, you could put on the box New York style pizza. It's not New York style, and you can't make it New York style pizza. There's just something. It's never gonna taste like New York pizza, even if you call it that. Even if you are honestly trying to replicate it, you're not right. gonna do it. And that's like Eli. Even early in his career, he showed he had that that moxie, that something where he he made those plays. Yeah, he did. And he, you know, early on his second year, he started a few game winning drives, like. I don't know. I still think he ha- this guy does have that ability. Like, even the drive, this game, where he didn't come through, like, he, he did make one really great throw when he was rolling to the right and he found yeah. Slayton, at, like, right on the sideline. I thought that was an awesome play. Um, yeah. And then the drive quickly stalled. Um, I don't know. I still just feel like, to me, most of the – I just – you know, I, I blame a lot of the struggles on Jason Garrett. I don't think he's being put in very good place in place to succeed. Um, and it's hard for me to be like, I hate Jason Gary's doing a terrible job and then be like, well, Daniel Jones stinks, you know, like, I don't know. It could be both. It could be both. <laughs> both those terrible things could be true, but I think, you know, he can move. He, I think he's got a good arm. I think he, um, makes a lot of plays that I just like, or I'm like, okay. I, I, I mean, the thought of him going down and getting hurt is like, the most horrifying thing I could conceive of, you know? I mean, imagine if, like, Colt McCoy had to come in here. Okay. Like, I wouldn't watch a game. I wouldn't watch a game. Couldn't even – I couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, he's at least something. Um, I, you know, I, again, I, and I've said I said last week, like, if the Giants get the number one over pick, I would take Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't think about it. I would figure out what to do with Daniel Jones, whether it's trade him, whatever. But I still think he can be a good – and like a quality starting NFL quarterback, not just like, okay, if we have a perfect team around him, um, he can be effective. Like, I think he can be a, a upper echelon starter in the NFL. I really do. And I might be wrong, but I really do. So, okay. So, cause we, obviously we've been talking about this. This isn't like the first time we've discussed the game on Sunday, but you kind of were saying that you still think that the best case scenario is, is that we finish the year strong. He has a good second half of the year and we still end up with a high draft pick that we can use on a non quarterback to strengthen the team and and move forward. And And you see that as best case. So my question to you is, do you, do you really think that's the best case or is that the best attainable case given the way that the giants are run? Does that make sense? Well, like, I mean, best case would obviously be, like, we just genuinely play great in the second half. <laughs> well, yeah, right. <laughs> well, um, but meaning, like, knowing that they're not going to move on from this guy because of the way they operate. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I, 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 I don't see a need to move on from him. Um boring like a, the season turns into a total catastrophe you know what i mean well yes i do know what you mean and that's why i that's kind of why i'm asking the question because i i think that like we're already at zero and five right so <laughs> we are now a third of the way to the number one overall pick right and so if you think that trevor lawrence is better than daniel jones and we're a third of the way to having Trevor Lawrence and getting the number one overall pick accomplishes getting Trevor Lawrence definitely lose de- definitely getting rid of Gettleman definitely or probably getting rid of Garrett so if we get the number one overall pick aren't we instantly better we have a better quarterback a new GM 
and presumably a better offensive coordinator. Like, isn't that the best outcome we could hope for at this point? Especially, it wouldn't be. It would be one thing if we're if it's August and we're having this conversation. But and October is still early. But we're already zero and five. We're all like, you know, nearly halfway there. Should that you know? Should that be what we're rooting for? I guess, but I mean, I just can't do that. You know, it's like I don't want to root to go one and fifteen so we can get Trevor Lawrence. Like, I'd rather this guy that I've already invested a little something in turns out to actually be good, and then we're then we're we're further along. You know, we got Trevor Lawrence. You got to like start over, and he's going to have his first year where he's going to struggle, and then, um, I mean, I hear you. Like, I agree. Like, if we if we salvage this season somewhat, and Daniel Jones isn't that great. And then they decide, hey, we're going to stick with Gettleman because we've showed some progress. Like, you could, I could, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, um, you could definitely look at it that way. The other thing, though, is like, there's no way, everyone will, that's such a like easy thing to say. Like, let's go get the number one pick. There's no way to do it in practice. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, like, they can't, like, bench Daniel Jones and put in Alex Tanny so to ensure that they go. 0 and 16 and get that pick you know what i mean like there's just no like they can't tell these players to like lay down you know what I, every, when people yeah. say that like you're not even tanking right it's like what do you what does that realistically look like like right joe jumps comes out before the game he's like all right everybody let's go lay down out there <laughs> i don't want to see anything anybody makes any tackles you know you're fine like it's just like what what does that really mean so um I guess, like, we could, you know, theoretically, the num- you know, the number one overall pick wouldn't be the worst outcome. I agree with you there. Like, if that's where we are, then you're right. We get to clean house, Gettleman's gone, and we have Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> that's exciting. And, we, and then, yeah, we don't, I don't have to spend any more time trying to talk myself into Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that would be liberating. Um, but I also would love... I don't think it's unrealistic to think that this season ends and we are like, they have looked better. Joe Judge has made some progress and Daniel, and we feel good about Daniel Jones. I think that's conceivable. All right. Well, I'll take it. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a quick re let's do a quick ad. And then, and then we're going to get on to the Redskins. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. All right, Brian. The Washington professional football team. It's our. It's it's going to be the first time we ever play against the Washington professional football team. The Washington football team. Yeah, I love yeah, it. The football team. You know, can I have a confession? I I was like not. I wasn't like a. They should keep the name guy, um, but I was always like, eh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. You know, like there was part of me that was just like. But it was one of those opinions where you're like, I know that one Native American could talk me out of it in like a second and just be like, dude, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> one person from any tribe, if they just like looked me in the eye and were like, come on, 
you're being a total asshole. I knew I'd be like, yeah. But there was this part of me that was just like, hey, but, you know, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, I was talking to my 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 uh, online phys ed class about this today, and I showed them a video from a Daily Show episode that aired like five years ago or more, maybe five or six years ago, about changing the name. And Jason Jones did it, and he has a bunch of Redskins fans in a room, and you know, doing like a f- fake focus group or whatever, yeah. and then. He, separately, you, he's talking to like a group of Native Americans, and then he brings the Native Americans into the room with the Redskins fans, right, and right. then and then you the, all they're all like, oh, right, suddenly you feel like the biggest idiot yeah. of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. It's like one of those things you're like, I know what I'm saying is wrong, and I know it's wrong, and it is wrong, and it's a terrible name, and of course they should change it. But like, what, what if they didn't? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was nice having another team in the division that simply humiliated itself based off the name alone. Right, true. But that's so true. That must have been hilarious because I can't imagine wearing like a Redskins headdress. Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, this is how bad it is. Like, oh, right. This feels terrible. One of the guys guys tried to argue that since he was born in America, he was a Native American. Oh, God. I feel like he backed off that position pretty quick, most likely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right it does once you come face to face with it it's obvious so obviously indefensible yeah well speaking of lunatics i feel like washington has a number of lunatics operating over there starting with ron rivera like look i don't want to tell anybody how to live but i, I remember reading like last week he was helped off the field because he's un- currently undergoing cancer treatments and like ron rivera what are you doing buddy yeah, like I just know. you right. know right. give give yourself a year off like it's fine like <laughs> right, right god we all understand just take know. care of you pal yeah <laughs> right like, get well right yeah. like, you know you only get one shot at this this merry-go-round we call life you know like yeah. you had a wonderful ride i don't know you know that's what they that's how these guys are made of yeah well i mean same for alex smith like do you think alex smith expected to play this year i don't know i mean i am kind of like alex smith like it's an amazing story it's inspiring sort of but you're kind of like you know, sort of <laughs> why why are you doing this like you could get very you could get badly injured again i don't know like i'm really worried for alex smith right like, watching that game you were like nobody touch him I, like, right <laughs> he could die out there right like, like it's sort of inspiring right because it's also totally insane. <laughs> right. And he's had a great career. Like, you have nothing to prove. Like, He's old, too. He's, like, almost our age. He's, like, yeah. a year or two younger than us, I think. Yeah, he is. No, he's had a long, really great career. Yeah. Um, no, I know. I don't want to take anything away from him because it's, it is inspiring. Right. It's amazing to watch people who are willing to, you know, just they want it bad enough. And the work he put in must be unfathomable. But, you know, you could have also not done it and everybody would be totally fine with it and your life would be great. And you could just maybe spend some time with your wife and children and count your money and enjoy the finer things that there are to enjoy. And that's fine, too. You know, like, that's okay too. Maybe that's the lesson that we need every once in a while to teach all of us that sometimes, like, you know, maybe Jay Cutler is, like, an inspiration to us. Yeah. 
you know, I'm going to go enjoy my millions and <laughs> you don't have to kill yourself out there. You know, you got to an NFC championship game. Like, <laughs> I, I love, I just feel like that's so, that's so like our mentality. Like all these people out there are inspired by Alex Smith. <laughs> gruesome injury, nearly loses a leg, fights his way back. Now he's an NFL starter. We're like, I admire Jay Cutler. Because <laughs> he, he didn't... wasted most of his talent, but look how far he got. <laughs> <laughs> right. Didn't totally care, and... He didn't have to kill himself out there. He had a wonderful career. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alex Smith lover, are you? So Jay, Jay Cutler Smith, guy. Is Alex Smith going to keep playing? I think so. I don't know. Like, is uh, is going uh, back to Kyle Allen? He was potentially he got hurt. That's why. He, right. Alex I think he was concussed. So I don't know if he can get out of the the protocol yet. Well, then will they start Alex Smith over Dwayne Haskins? Like, what? I read a thing today that Ron Rivera is is just done with Haskins. He's like really? he said he said something like I. He's like we've seen him eleven games now. I've evaluated him. Oh wow! He's on the bench. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so you're a you're a Buckeye. You watched a lot of Dwayne Haskins. Like, does that seem crazy to you, or like, can you appreciate where they're coming from? Well, I don't know because, like, I guess I'm a little surprised. Now, I I the way that I consume Ohio State football is really just I watch the games and I'll read like specific writers who I know are like X's and O's guys or like beat writers. But there's a lot of, and look, there's some great websites. They do get a little creepy on like the recruiting side and like knowing a little bit too much about these guys because they are college kids and they're just accessible. Like, you know, they're just there. So I guess that like there were maturity issues. And look, Ohio State has had problems with this. And frankly, I blame Urban Meyer. He is the devil. We made a deal with the devil, and we got our 2014 national title out of it, and that was amazing. I, that, I loved that run. I love Cardell Jones forever. Uh, I love Michael Thomas. Um, and, you know, like, Zeke is, like, very complicated because, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't I like him. Zeke has gotten rid of the midriff uh, yeah. this year. I wonder what's behind that. <laughs> probably just put on some weight right? like, <laughs> quarantine 15 you know right <laughs> but like i know that i've since read that like apparently the ohio state coaching staff had to have an intervention with joey bosa and basically tell him you can't live with zeke anymore because you guys are out of control and joey yeah. bosa for his senior year moved out and lived apart from zeke and that was like a big deal in Columbus. And then, you know, so you had Eli Apple who we drafted and he was just a, like a loose cannon. And so yeah. it hasn't, and you know, look, Urban Meyer also coached Aaron Hernandez. Like he is, uh, yeah. you know. Well, I don't think Dwayne Haskins has murdered anybody yet. <laughs> but... <laughs> yet. <laughs> He's maybe not watching enough film or something. I don't know, but I never heard that about it. It's like, it is weird when suddenly a guy's struggling, there's like this character assassination that goes on where he's like, I don't know. It just seems like where I, I don't remember hearing that about him. Like he seemed like a guy that cared. Um, yeah. Know? No, I, I mean, his ten his time at Ohio State was pretty short. But uh, yeah, it's like I also I don't trust the Reds or excuse me Washington. Like I don't trust them. I don't trust anything that comes out of there. Like they're just what a mess in there. 
Although I guess Ron Rivera, I kind of trust. He seems yeah, but they do do they do have a kind of a history of doing that, like getting rid of guys and then the trash the guy on the way out of town. Like, yeah, and bad franchises always do that. Like the Mets yeah. are pretty famous for doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It feels weird to me. Like RG three, they kind of did that, and and lucky. I mean, he never did bounce back, but there was sort of the same thing, like destroy his reputation when like you got him injured and right, right. Know. Yeah, him never bouncing back, I think, had more to do with the team than him. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, that's the other thing, too. He really only was a starter in Columbus for one year. Yeah, it's true. So, who knows? I don't know. But he was good. He had a cannon. I mean, wouldn't you... I mean, who are you... Like, we're playing this game. Like, I don't want him... I would be more fearful of us losing if he plays than... Yeah. Like, I feel pretty good if Smith plays on one leg. Um... You know, this is, look, let's talk about that. This is the game. Like, this is the game. If we lose this game, you know. Trevor Lawrence all the way. We, we, (laughs) burn everything to the ground. Like, just fire everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I will be at Giant Stadium burning a jersey. Right. (laughs) In fact, I happen, you know, my grandfather used to work for the Giants. I loosely know the mayor i don't know the mara family but they like know who my family is and when my daughter was born they got her a pink jersey number one giants jersey oh that that, that came from the mara family so wow very classy family. yeah yeah i will burn that jersey <laughs> I will show up and i will burn it in the parking lot Oh, man, I'm, like, half rooting for Washington now. Like, I'd want to go there. I want to do it with you so I can film it. We'll put it up on Instagram. That'll be great. No, but, you know, like, it will just be, and I won't really do that, and I do respect the Mayor family. But um, it will be, things will be so bad at that point. It is, like, I don't know what, I don't, like, I I don't even want to know what this this show will be the day after that happens. Yeah. Yeah. but I think, to me, I'm, like, more afraid of it if Dwayne Haskins is playing than whoever these other clowns are. Agreed. I, I totally agree. If Alex Smith starts, I'm worried about Alex Smith, the, the human. Right. I, in fact, I won't enjoy the game because it'll be uncomfortable the whole game. Yeah. Being like, I really hope nothing happens to Alex Smith. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dwayne Haskins start, I agree with you. I, I'm worried about the Giants. All right. Let's do uh, a quick ad read, and then we're going to move on to the Yankees. If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn and you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. All right, uh, little Yankees wrap-up. Their season is over, which is fine because I've already decided that this World Series doesn't count. Um, And, uh, well, what did you think of the series? Did Did you watch much of it or... I did, yeah. I watched a decent amount of it. Um, you know, it's just funny how the Yankees, like, <laughs> they're just the same team year in and year out that, like, seems like it should be better than it is, just can't quite, can't get over the hump. You know, they keep losing in the same fashion. Um, you know, this is like the 20th year in a row, it feels like, where the Yankees have shown up to the playoffs with just an awesome lineup that goes a little cold at the key times, and they don't quite have enough pitching. And, uh, you know, it, it's really, I mean, it, I don't know. Don't you feel like it feels like a repeat year after year after year with the Yankees? They're kind of losing in the exact same way. Um, 
you know, to a team that you then feel like, and the Rays are a good team, a smart organization, all that. You know, they should have won that series. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you're saying that. Like, I, I was texting with my dad. I was saying, like, I wish the Yankees could bank runs. You know, like, they scored right. nine runs in game one. We could have used those spread out a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. It happens a lot to them. Yeah. No, but you're 100% right. Like, it does have – the postseasons in this decade have felt like this Groundhog Day experience where – you're right. It always is the same thing. Like our bats go cold at the wrong times. We don't have the pitching that can, you know, uh, prop that up for a while. But it's weird because as much as it feels that way, like they've been the most consistently successful franchise that I root for, at least in New York. And it's like always hard. Like it sucks when they lose in the postseason, but it's also hard to get too upset because They've won more regular season games than any team of the entire decade. They're tied with the Dodgers for the most postseason appearances. And they're one of only two teams that have finished with a winning record every single year. So they've been consistently good. And I, you know... <sighs> I guess it's just, it's not a fair fight, though. Like, you, you know, Major League Baseball is the only uncapped, you know, sport, even though it does have something of a cap. Because um, it has the luxury tax, and that's real. It's not, you know, it, it, yeah, it suppresses salary. But you know, they have a huge financial advantage over every other team. They spend wildly. Um, you know, I don't know how. Like, look and look who else. Like the Dodgers are on a pretty good run here. Like, are they managed really well? Are they? Do they just have the smartest group of uh, <laughs> executives, or no? Like, they spend a lot of money. Like, yeah. Um, you know the Red Sox have are kind of in a little cost cutting mode as they've struggled this year, but like they've had a, quite a nice run. You know, like the Cubs are, you know, baseball. It's not uh, one you don't get stuck in these bad contracts. You can always spend your way out of it. Um, so what know? are what are the Yankees doing wrong then? Like, what do you think is the problem? I I think like they. Um, I don't, you know, I just don't think. One, I think pitching, they just have not been able to find the right pitching mix. Like, I, I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, like th- they spent all this money on Giancarlo Stanton when they have plenty of offense, you know? Like, wouldn't that all that money be better suited, like, with a bunch of arms? Like, even whether it's a couple of starters and a reliever, you know what I mean? Like, the, to me, they have plenty of firepower. That was such a, like, luxury item. Um, and I don't know that that money prevents them from doing stuff, but it must a little bit. I mean, you end up with like J.A. Happ pitching, you know, crucial postseason innings. Like it just seems like they wind up with these surprisingly big holes for how much they spend, um, all the resources they have, as smart as they are. Um, they still end up with these pretty glaring weaknesses. I would say. In general, you're right. I agree with you. I think the thing about this year is, uh, you know, like, we didn't have Luis Severino because he had Tommy John and then Domingo Herman uh, made some poor personal choices. <laughs> um, but, you know, that kind of, that stuff kind of went down and at the beginning of the season and that, like, you know, going into it this year, we still could have had Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup and then also had Garrett Cole, um, Tanaka... Uh, Severino and Herman it, give, taking up four of the five rotation spots 
Also, they had that reliever, Danny Cannell. Not Danny Cannell. What's his name? <laughs> Giants great, Danny Cannell. No, sounds like Danny Cannell. Anyway, he had Tommy John. He was another reliever that we had. So, you know, like, I think the I think it, it's easy to forget, especially, like, with just the absolute, like, you know, uh, the all the ridiculousness that was going on at the beginning of the baseball season. Like, those are two legit starters that we just didn't have this year that we were supposed to have at least. So... You know, maybe we didn't get other guys. We had those guys. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's every team has injuries that they have to deal with. You know, the yeah. Mets lost Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman, right at the start of the year. Like, you know. Yeah, but I'm saying we ended up where we ended up despite losing those two guys. You know, like our whole our big hole was in starting pitching, but two of our starters missed the whole year. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, look, I agree with you. It's like hard to kill the Yankees because they're always good, but on the other hand, like. They, it's been 11 years, you know? It's not like... Uh, it's been a little while, and, like, they do have this structural advantage over... And I, I'm not saying they should do anything, you know? Like, I, I do have a friend who's, like, always whining about Brian Cashman. Um, and I, like, you know, I think Brian Cashman's very good at his job. Like, absolutely. Makes a lot of smart moves. But I also, like... I don't think it's totally insane... I don't think it should be blasphemy to suggest that maybe a new, like they could bring in a new voice. Like it's been a long time. He's had a lot of failures. He's signed a lot of pitchers that haven't worked out. Um, you know, he's, it hasn't been like I, a replacement level GM. What would the performance be like with a replacement level GM with the Yankees? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Right. How much worse would it be? Right. What, what what does that look like? What are the results for like you put some stiff in there and you you give them all the Yankees resources? Like how bad is it? How bad could they be? Yeah, I don't know. I really I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> it's valid. It's fair. What's the floor of the Yankees? How bad can a Yankee team even possibly be? Right. And then, and maybe that's really that's a testament to him, you know, and that's like we've come to expect that. And actually, maybe you look at the Red Sox this year; they're bet. Maybe there is a universe in which there's a Yankee team that is poorly run, and you know loses a hundred games. I don't know, but I, I'm not. It's possible it doesn't. That doesn't exist. And then you look at his tenure, and you're like, I don't know. Like maybe they should just. Maybe it's time to try somebody else out. He's been in their job for a hundred years. Yeah, I don't, and I don't want to discredit him too much because I will say, like, I guess if you think about it, it's kind of impressive that he, like, sort of, you know, he built that 2009 team and then he oversaw almost the transition from, like, the mercenary Yankees back to sort of, like, a more homegrown thing with Judge and, um, you know, this he is... Did. The, and, like, the Torres trade is an awesome move. Yep. And, you know, LeMayhew or Shella, he finds these guys. Aaron Hicks was really savvy. Like, he, he yeah. finds them all the time. He's... Yeah. Again, I'm not, and I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm not saying like you have to fire Brian Cashman. I do think he's good at his job. If he was available, I would, as a Mets fan, would be like, oh, go get Brian Cashman. Yeah. But I like also at the same time, like I, I, I get where some people like, I don't think it should be total, you know, like an outlandish idea to just suggest it that like, hey, you know, we've had a, 11 years, haven't won a World Series. You have a lot of resources. A lot of people could do a good job as the GM of the New York Yankees, I think. Um, it wouldn't be, like, totally insane, I don't think. I, don't I agree. 
We're going to wrap up the radio show right now. Uh, radio Free Brooklyn, thank you for listening. And we're going to go into bonus time. Download us on Saturdays at 6 a.m. Giants Among Men podcast. And bonus time, Brian. <laughs> Welcome bonus to bonus time. time. Well, this is where we <laughs> unbutton our pants and really, <laughs> really relax and just let the takes fly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, welcome. Welcome to this uh, to this segment of ours. Um, what do we still have on the docket? Or are, are we... Oh, let's talk uh, NBA. All right, yeah. Yeah, we'll close. Yeah. There was a do you, I'm game. sorry, do you have any, do you have any uh, closing thoughts on Brian Cashman? Or? No, other than he's obviously quite short. And, you know, yeah. that should be held against him. No. <laughs> 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 he's a tiny man who should receive less respect. Uh, <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> he's so, good at his job i don't want to kill brian cashman yeah no but i think to your point it's totally fair to ask if so like how long has he been in that job over 20 years now yeah forever yeah so i mean that's totally fair to ask like would we benefit from new ideas probably um, yeah right could somebody else come in there yeah so you and i had a pretty spirited jimmy butler debate last night via text and we did yeah, I think let's uh, let's let's we owe it to the fans to give it to them in bonus time. Yeah. Well, I you know I like Jimmy Butler. I'm coming around on Jimmy Butler a little bit. Um, I totally get why people find him really fun and it was cool. He's awesome in this series. Um, I just the like mythology around Jimmy Butler. One, I'm just so tired of hearing about how competitive Jimmy Butler is. I get it. He wants to win. Nobody wants to win like Jimmy Butler. But if somebody, if you want to win so badly, you know, like maybe you stick around in Philly and you play with Joel Embiid, um, who's the best big man in the sport, and like you hit your wagons to that guy because. That's how I win. And maybe our personalities aren't the perfect match, but all I care about is winning. I just want to be a champion. Like, I uh, I have to deal with these other alpha dogs on this team, and, like, my personality is not a perfect fit, but I want to win. That's all I care about is winning. Like, And I don't see how him making the finals with this Heat team, like, to me, that doesn't, like, prove he was right, that those other places were flawed and couldn't, like, I think this Miami Heat team caught lightning in a bottle. The bubble was a super weird um, situation that I think really helped them. And I don't know that they're going to be able to replicate this. I'm not like, are they your favorites in the Eastern Conference next year? Like, they're not mine. So I I just don't think like, oh, this totally vindicates him. Like, it seems to me he was in a couple of pretty decent spots that he like weirdly blew up. And, uh, you know, like... I, he, you know, he. It's like he got himself the perfect situation for winning. Happens to be where he's the clear number one guy, and no one else approaches him. And he is the sole alpha dog on the team. Like that, you know, it just seems kind of convenient that this perfect winning atmosphere is one where everybody is subservient to Jimmy Butler <laughs> and his <laughs> desires. You know, that just seems like rather convenient to me. And I think everything you just said is totally fair. But I guess, like, my question would be, he 
so he wanted to go to a team where he was he wanted to go to a good team where he was the star player and he wanted to win that way like isn't that what lebron and kd were both killed for doing the opposite of like go like he left joel Embiid to go to miami to be the top dog on on a team because he wanted to be the top dog and then yet the whole world killed LeBron for not wanting that enough. That he went to go to Wade and Bosch, and that Kevin Durant went to Golden State to be with Curry and Clay and Draymond and, and the, like Jimmy. And then those guys were killed for it. Jimmy Butler did the opposite of that, and but he's getting killed for that. Well, not me. You're killing him for that. No, 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 I'm not, not the killing world. him for it. I'm just saying. To <laughs> me, it's like I don't. You know, I think like one of the things too is like Jimmy Butler. And I think maybe why you relate to him, like he's comfortable in confrontation, right? Yeah. And he's, a, he, and he's thrives in it. He likes it. <laughs> not everybody does, you know. And like maybe that's what I'm responding to is like, hey, I, <laughs> I'm not comfortable in it. So I can appreciate Carl Anthony Towns is like, what is this guy's problem? Like, he's at me. <laughs> what do I do? I'm doing my best here. Um, so I totally think that's fine that he like got himself to this scenario where he's comfortable or the personalities mesh, but you know he's not selling it as I wanted to go somewhere where I could be the number one guy. Like that wasn't the that wasn't the reason he did it. It's like, um, or that's not the reason he's telling us that he's that he did it. Right? It was that this like he needs these certain personalities in order to win. Right? Yeah. I, but I, again, I, what I respect most about that is the self-awareness of it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I respect that he took a look around and saw, you know, look, I don't, I don't know what the inner workings of the Philadelphia 76ers are like, but I know what I hear. I know what I read. I know what I see about of Joel Embiid on the court. And it seemed like a real, like kind of passive aggressive, just not like toughness prioritized type of place. And I just feel like Jimmy Butler took a look around and he's like, nope, not, not working. Yeah, but isn't it also like incumbent on you to be the like solution? Like you just look at you now, these guys are like, you're on the team. It's your team. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think you don't get to just like walk away. And I just don't feel like he's, this has proven him correct. Like, I think if you put Jimmy Butler back on the Sixers, that Sixers team would have had a real shot. And maybe they that Sixers team with Joel Embiid um, going up against Anthony Davis, like maybe they've got more of a chance. And that's like I don't know that long term in the next four or five years he has a better chance to win an NBA title where he is than where he was. I guess is sort of what I'm saying. No, and I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that Jimmy Butler has been proven correct, but I do think that he will really really benefit where you know. If if Bam Adebayo can build on this year and he's like even better next year, and if Tyler Hero can build on this year and he's even better next year, like I do think again, I just think that like Jimmy Butler, what I respect about him, it's not the competitiveness or the winning or whatever you know we're trying to be sold with all that. It was his ability to be like, I know who I am, I know this isn't going to work out here, I know this isn't going to work out here, I'm comfortable here. And he just might be more suited to play with guys who are ascendant stars who are still going to sort of like operate below him as he's more established than going to a place like Philly where, you know, 
it's understood that Embiid is the top dog and, and Ben Simmons is the homegrown guy. Like, I just think that situation might not be right for him. And I think you're right. At some point, it is sort of incumbent upon him to, to figure out how to make it work. But I also kind of feel like, you know, like in a work situation, it would be on me to make it work. It would be on you to make it work. It's not really on Jimmy Butler to make it work because he's Jimmy Butler. But right. then, you know. Joel Embiid's Joel Embiid, you know? It's like, um, I don't know. I just like, to me, like, I, I'm in awe of him in many ways. Like, the fact that he just, but like, the, the story from the Timberwolves where he, you know, one practice, he shuts down the practice and he plays with the, with the backups against the starters and just kicks their ass. And he's just <laughs> screaming at everybody and he's just mauling the starters with the scrubs first of all just what that does all right the scrubs he's like hey you you suck you're playing with me you know what that does I mean, everything about it right and then he's screaming at the gm like you need me you can't win without me i'm that gm is probably like i know like why are you doing this why is this happening like i traded a ton of stuff to get you like i hired your coach who loved you like i right. put you in this good team I know we need you desperately. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> it's just like so strange to me. It's so true. But I get it. I get it. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns, whatever, doesn't have some. Which and that poor guy, this is gonna like haunt him his whole career. This reputation, you know, he's the guy that like was dressed down by Jimmy Butler for just not being man enough for whatever it is. <laughs> um, but it's just a, a crazy scene, you know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Right. What a lunatic. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a crazy thing to do. And, I, and he's just fine with it. You know, and I heard him talk about it, you know, that he's like, I this is, look, I just like. And he said that they could have come up to him and been, and said to him, like, this isn't the way to go about it. And he would have respected that. But like sort of no one did that. So that was even made it. You know what I mean? Like they actually just backed down. It's like, all right, well, you frightened us. <laughs> we right. were from and so we I, i'm sorry you didn't appear to be that approachable <laughs> screaming at the general manager you right. need me <laughs> screaming at the general manager as you humiliate your teammates right. 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 all of them right all of them the best ones and the worst ones everyone right. feels lesser for having right. participated in this event right right, right. right. there really is no coming back from that yeah I mean, I guess at least he does go after the the other alphas. Like, you know, I remember watching yeah. The Last Dance. Like, one thing that did stand out was how Michael Jordan seemed to always pick on, like, the Scotty Burrells right. and the Steve Kerrs. And, like, Judd Bushler hated his guts. But, like, you didn't get the sense that he went up to Scotty Pippen and got in his face, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, in fact, I found that. I thought that was really glossed over. Like, the, a real trend emerged there um, yeah. where he really me as a classic bully. bully. Jimmy Butler is not that. I mean, he's just like, I'm go I'm talking about you, Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> right. Like, he's the best player on this team. You are not good enough. Right. You are not man enough. Like, that's all right. I get it. I mean, I'm impressed. I'm in uh. awe of it. I'm a coward, so I just can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be clear, I I know Jimmy Butler. Like, I might be a little more comfortable in confrontation, but that doesn't work out for me like it does for him. <laughs> right, right. No, right. You have to have his skill. Right. And look, it was an inspiring performance, um, and it was awesome to see him go right at LeBron. But I, my personal, at the end, I was like, 
I enjoyed watching LeBron put him in the toilet. <laughs> and just say, pipe down, Jimmy. No, I'm, yeah, I'm on another level. I'm on another plane from you. Uh, and he is. He is. I mean, that's, he is. yeah. He's, he's ridiculous. He's on another plane than, you know, humans. He's, yeah. Should, why don't we do it? Let, we haven't, I've never discussed, like, is LeBron James the greatest player of all time in Scott Ishii's mind? Is he the best basketball player you've ever seen? No. Uh, to me, it's still Jordan. And, I, you know, whatever. It's, like, I think, to, honestly, what it really boils down to for me is that, to me, Jordan is the greatest because that era of basketball was a, far more meaningful to me because I had a team that I rooted for that played against him. Yeah. I don't know. It's... I can't, I don't know how to put myself in the mindset of what it must have been like to be consistently rooting against LeBron throughout most of his career. Like, what if I was a Golden State fan, or what if I was a Boston fan, or whatever, maybe I would feel different about him right now, but for me, it's just Michael, because, like, I I can relate to it, but I know what it feels like to see Michael Jordan with the ball in his hands, and to be sitting in my living room just paralyzed with fear. Yeah. And I don't know what that's like with LeBron because I've never watched a game where the stakes were that with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always joke, I, I always say, like, I don't know what it means to be better than Michael Jordan. Like, You're right. right. What, what do you mean better than Michael Jordan? It's like better than perfection. You know, like, yeah. how can you possibly be better than Michael Jordan? He was unbelievable. But I do feel like LeBron is, I don't know, he's like the most singular athlete I've ever seen. Like, um, you know what I mean? Just specimen. Like, there's, he's, there's yeah. one LeBron James. One guy with that body, that skill set, that ability. He's so unique. Um, and I feel like if I wanted to make the playoffs, I would pick LeBron James over Michael Jordan. If I wanted to win one game, I would take Michael Jordan. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, if I, I think... was like, I'm starting, I have a terrible team. I have a team that I've won 10 games last year, but next year I want to make the playoffs. I'd be like, give me LeBron James. He'll get me the playoffs. If right. I was like, if somebody had a gun to my wife's head and was like, if you, you got to win this game and who's your first pick, it would be Michael Jordan. Yes, right. So which which do you think is more valuable then? Or is it I don't just know. not possible yeah. to compare the two? I don't know. I think people, I think one of the reasons that Michael Jordan still rises above to people is that people put so much into that, like the clutch stuff. Like, you know, like people love clutch so yeah. much that, you know, people made people say crazy things like Derek Jeter is more about valuable than alex rodriguez which is absurd <laughs> but he is better in the clutch that's okay yeah like that's one skill among many skills and it's a very important one but it's one that people if you're not as like and lebron is don't get me wrong is very clutch he can handle pressure well like very very well yeah. i don't think he handles it as well as michael jordan um so you know how much you know those are that's you know i think you could debate well, all day like the value of you know what lebron gives you versus what jordan does but well that's also the flip to it too is that while jordan is possibly the most clutch athlete ever he's also not like robert ory he brings a lot more to the table than just the yeah, clutchness yeah, 
Yeah, yeah so it, it go it definitely you know it cuts both ways, but um, yeah, I mean it's all just fodder anyway. That whole discussion, it's so funny how people get so riled up about it. I mean, so we'll keep... emotional about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like well, ultimately, I mean, it's you know, it's, I mean, and it's the most nitpicky discussion because it's like right. how else can you? It's like they're talking about the two singular greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. You you have to start to really nitpick, um, right? And I guess that's what. Where it comes around is like when LeBron is kind of like, put some respect on my name and like everybody respects you, LeBron. It, yeah, it's like yeah. the only Ten reason points. you're you're the <laughs> only one who's compared to Jordan. Like yeah, even yeah. with Kobe, that stopped. Right. You right. know, you're the only one that we're comparing to Jordan. Just that discussion. The fa- I get where he's coming from. Like I just won an NBA title when the f- I wake up the next morning and it's yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Like I get that sucks. But yeah. it's also like a champagne problem. Like that's yeah. not happening to yeah. anybody else. It's only to you. Right. There's going to be statues of you. There's going to be na- your name on everything. <laughs> like yeah. there's going to be movies made about you. Like yeah, you're wildly celebrated. But I think for him, it's probably like it's never good. En- it's not good enough to win the championship. It's not good enough to. It's got to be on the last shot. He's got. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He is held to this absurd standard that nobody else of his generation is and you're right it's just yeah but that's what happens when you're in the conversation of greatest of all time it's a nitpicky conversation like yeah by its nature we're talking about comparing you to god right yeah (laughs) how do you be better than jordan it's a good question it is yeah all right brian as the fans know we record this on tuesday it airs on brooklyn uh radio free brooklyn on thursday mornings at 6 a.m and then it is available for download on saturday at 6 a.m so it is Tuesday. Many of our fans will not hear this until Saturday. What's going to happen for the rest of this week? Give me a, give me some predictions. Could be anything. Could be politics. Could be your children. It could be sports. What's going to happen this week? Um, I, I, I don't know. Is anything happening this week? I feel like there's nothing doing. Yeah, I mean, but I felt that way probably last week or two weeks ago rather and then on friday trump got the coronavirus or at least told everyone he had the coronavirus right. well i said last week that trump was gonna die on sunday and I, I was wrong <laughs> he's right. alive and well um maybe well i don't know he's on some serious medication that seemingly is he's having what i might describe as a manic episode <laughs> um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and uh so let's see we got the town hall Joe Biden, I don't see anything happening there. You know, I know I'll let out probably a series of deep sighs um, throughout the day, <laughs> um, the rest of the week as I do, um, driving my wife crazy. Why are you sighing all the time? I just, I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I am in life. I let out a lot of random deep sighs, just <sighs> out of, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Let's see. I'll. Um... It's funny, like to just the side, you know, our just so the listeners know, our our whole families know each other quite well. Our wives, our children, they've all spent a lot of time together. They interact with one another. I think my I think Nicole, my wife, is has has once once said about you, Brian has a fascinating sadness to him. <laughs> like, She's like, he's funny, he's got a great laugh, he, you know, like, oh, everything should be happy, but there is a sadness, it's very <laughs> visible. 
could be the fascinating sadness. That'll be a, a, the title of my uh, forthcoming <laughs> memoir. <Your memoirs>. <laughs> <laughs> the sadness of a man who isn't all that he could be. I think that's that's the uh, <laughs> and it has an awareness of it. Uh, Looks at himself, but I don't know. We're on the up and up. Yeah, look, we're doing this. We're making this show. It's a hit. Fans love it. <laughs> it is um, a hit. Everybody's talking about it. Um, more people are saying um, really great things. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be spectacular. <laughs> what would you give for Donald Trump's confidence just for one day? Oh my just God! Confidence to just go out there and or just be... like the ability to live without shame. Yeah, just fully without shame. Yeah, just like and nothing. That ha- I sing this song to my daughter when, when she takes a bath because she drives me nuts. Like, every time. She knows I'm going to pour water on her head. She knows to tip her head back like that. Like, she knows it's coming. And yet, every day at bath time, it's almost like this is the first time we're ever doing bath. And I have to explain <laughs> to her what to do. And I hold just the whole, the whole deal. Like, Trump is really, like, every minute of his life is a new experience. Like, right. n- nothing that happened before the minute that he's in right now ever happened if he doesn't want it to have happened right yeah boy he puts yeah he pushes bad news aside quickly yeah that's what i would kill for is just the that that, you know i was just born right this second everything you know (laughs) right reborn every second totally fresh and new yeah um yeah god i don't know instead of the deep deep shame (laughs) (laughs) provokes your size (laughs) right yeah Yeah. i don't know maybe one day i'll i'll reveal the story the haunting stories that (laughs) (laughs) that'll be for (laughs) our follow you're in bonus time now followed by giants among men after dark where brian will then share his truths excruciating scars (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's end on that note. Yes, another one for the books, Brian. Yep, we did it. All right. All righty. Talk to you next week. Yes.